Please turn in your New Testaments now to 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13 as we continue in our series, uh, Living Between the Now and the Not Yet, as Brad was uh, featuring in his prayer. This is the very Word of God. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. You know, you come to uh, the close of one of Paul's epistles, and uh, it, it's really kind of a gear-stripping uh, tran- you know, transition where, for instance, uh, it always kind of goes to practical matters, practical exhortations before we sign off, you know, like the conclusion of a letter. But, uh, man, we go from just this high, soaring teaching about the the coming of the Lord and how we're going to be caught up with Him in the air and be with Him forever and what that means to us right now. And then suddenly it shifts to people really need to follow biblical leadership in the church. That's where it it shifts to. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, This practical final exhortation. You know, I think in light of the presidential politics going on right now, uh, it's very interesting to say the least. Um, and uh, all of our candidates uh, and how they are showing us by words and actions what leadership would look like. I think now is a great time to talk about what the scriptures say leadership should look like. Uh, biblical, godly Leadership. There are many voices in the church today that say that the greatest challenge that the church faces, the greatest challenge, is a deficit of good, godly, and biblical leadership. And this scripture gives us something to to begin to clarify what that is, but but the other side of this scripture has to do with what it looks like to be a good follower of good leadership. It's not easy being a leader. Uh, any of you who have signed up for leadership of any kind, really, and had to function as a leader, really function as one, Understand that it's not easy being a leader. And, and you know, to say one more thing about just kind of culturally where we are, and it's certainly true that we live in a time where people tend to resist leadership. We kind of live in a little bit of an anti-authoritarian uh, type of time. Uh, who's going to tell me what to do? Uh, who's going to tell me what not to do is answered by a lot of people with the word nobody. Nobody. And um, there is a, a kind of yin for autonomy, uh, an independent impulse in the human heart. Even as I said that, who's going to tell me what to do? You might have felt that. Rise up. You know, because this is not easy for anyone. I'm talking about who we are uh, as fallen people. 
And, and we have a need for real leadership. We have a need for real leadership everywhere in the world right now. And we have resistance to leadership everywhere in the world right now. This is important. But this is about leadership in the kingdom of God. And the simple fact of the matter is, is the Lord himself gives leaders to the church. All kinds of leaders. And there are people who lead ministries. And there are people who teach. And there are people who administrate. And there are all kinds of leadership going on, even in this church. But, but in the text, I think we're primarily concerned with uh, what 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 show us. The pattern of leadership that Paul set in place. Before he would go, he would stay for a while, set in place leadership. Then he would go and start another church and, and some visit some other churches. And that was elders and deacons and, and pastors being among the, the elders. Paul moves right out of this lofty second coming teaching to this practical exhortation to restore responsiveness to biblical leadership. We don't know what's going on in the church of Thessalonica. Maybe the leaders were too harsh. You know, maybe, maybe there's unnecessary resistance to leadership. We don't know, but he wants us to understand because he wanted them to understand. This is a letter, you know. The scripture is a letter. He wanted them to understand this leadership. So let's look at this. I want to give you three principles this morning uh, of biblical leadership. And they are, number one, that leadership is not about titles, but it's about serving. Number two, leadership is not about power, but it is about authority. And number three, leadership is about blessing that brings peace. Leadership, first of all, is not about titles. It's about serving. Uh, there is a sense in which actual leadership, I'm talking about whether people follow you, actual leadership uh, has to be earned. It does not come awarded with a degree it does not come awarded with a title. Look at verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you. Do you notice? It doesn't say we demand that you respect this, these people, those people, and these people because they have the titles of leadership. We ask you to respect. Because, look, you can have the title, but you cannot make people respect you. And if you're in a totalitarian type of situation, you, you can uh, make them obey you sometimes, usually not. You can make them fear you sometimes, usually not. But you can't make people respect you just because you have a title. I'll give you a great example of this. There's so many examples in the both Testaments. But in the Old Testament, you know, there was a king and queen of the northern kingdom of Israel named Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel uh, are on the list of people who did not follow the Lord, nor did they lead the people to follow the Lord. And I'm going to tell you right now that people did not respect 
King Ahab or Queen Jezebel. Sometimes they had to obey them and they had to endure them. But we, they are not down on the list. As, as every time we get through one of those kings, there's a comment about the leadership of that king. They're not down as anything but being horrible leaders that we wish we could forget. Because leadership is not a title. It's something different. And, and Paul's talking about church leadership. And here he asked the people to respect them. It's not automatic. Church leadership is earned by how we live and whether or not we serve, leaders serve diligently and well. Do you see? I ask you to respect those who work hard among you, those who serve among you. All right, our example of leadership more than anybody else is Jesus Christ, is the Son of God. So we don't have any questions this morning whether uh, Christ should be, whether we should follow Christ. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is the Son of God. He is the promised Messiah. But Jesus showed us a kind of leadership that was radically different from the typical leadership in the Greco-Roman world culture of that day. Uh, A lot of people call this leadership servant leadership. And I'd like to read from Mark 10, 42 through 45. Um, This happens in the other Gospels as well. But it's, it's right in the middle of James and John demanding titles you know they're wondering in the coming messianic administration of the president jesus they want to to be on his right hand as the the secretary of state or the secretary whatever i don't you know they want to be on his right hand in the, the highest place and they want to be on his left hand and they even got their mother involved in trying to get this for them and uh jesus says it's not about titles. Listen to his words. Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so with you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Boom, there it is. You want to be a leader? You want to have influence? You, you want to have uh, be one of the great ones, if you will? Then this leadership is not about a title. It's not about demanding out of that title. It is about serving. It is about laboring. Uh, our text, that, that word literally means laboring. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who are laboring among you. Leadership is not a title of honor. It's hard work. And when you sign up to be a leader, 
in God's church, you are signing up for service. And you're signing up for self-sacrifice and there's just no other way around it. I mean, that's what it is. I'm not saying everybody does it just the way they should. We're talking to Paul's trying to, it is telling us what it is. You know, this, uh, this first principle of leadership, that it's not a title, that it's more diligent service, is definitely very much just right on time with what's going on in our nation at least. This is why everybody's so disgusted with Washington DC, is it not? I mean, it is. Um, people really want a title. And they run to get a title. And they want the privileges of that title. And they want to enrich themselves through having that title. And they go up to Washington DC to use that title for themselves and not serve the people who elected them, whom they are supposed to serve, labor diligently on our behalf. That is why people are so angry with our government. Because the very first principle of leadership in this text, in 1 Thessalonians 5, is just is, is being totally disregarded and violated. And look... Leadership, as I mentioned in the Greco-Roman world, was characterized by authoritarianism. It was characterized by the strong lead anybody that's not as strong to take it away from them. It was characterized by this this heavy-handedness. This kind of servant leadership idea was brand new, I assure you, in ancient Rome. And it was extremely countercultural. Still is. We wouldn't have been talking about the prevailing culture of our own government if this wasn't countercultural. Now, I have to tell you personally, and I, I know that I speak for the other pastors uh, and the elders as well, and the deacons. Um, we don't come out of some spiritual ruling class. And we are not any higher. I'm not any higher than any of you. Nor do I feel higher than any of you. Look, I didn't come to know Jesus till I was almost 20. You know, it wasn't like I was raised to be a spiritual leader. I mean, I was raised well. My mom's watching on the internet. Mom, I was raised well. <laughs> but here's my point. I'll get a call today. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should say anything else today. (laughs) Here's my point. For years, I sat where you sit. For years, I was just a member of the congregation and loved it. And I'll be honest with you, one of the big surprises in my life is that I was called to become a leader. And I still cannot get over the fact, and I'm still surprised of this fact and in this passage on what leaders should be and how followers should act I want you to know I'm not preaching this at all trying to get the church to straighten up I'm preaching this because of what we need to be as leaders so you can follow and this is a hard look at my own self 
And this is a hard look, I trust, in the lives of our pastors, our elders, and our deacons. A hard look at who we are because it's not the title. It is service. Leadership in God's kingdom is a privilege that we are called to. It is not a title that we seek. And it is to reflect the servant leadership of Jesus. So, first, leadership is not about titles. It's about serving. Secondly, leadership is not about power. Rather, it's about authority. And there's a difference between those two. Verse 12, go back to me with me to the scriptures. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor, serve among you, who are over you. Do you see that? Who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you, hold them in highest regard in love because of their work. Um, Respective leaders here is requested on the basis of diligent service. But those who serve as leaders are over you in the Lord. Leaders in the church are given responsibility of a leader that they must pursue and be faithful to and discharge for the good of God's people. Um, this, this is not the same as a position of raw power. In fact, it is this in the Lord that shows us this. They are over you in the Lord, meaning that it is given by God, meaning that it is given with the law of love, that it is given for the same humility of Christ. You see, it's they are over you in the Lord. It's that in the Lord that kind of puts a check. On this raw power thing, because as we've already talked about, Jesus' leadership was not like that. So, what is authority? What is authority? I'm just going to define it very simply. Authority is being given responsibility for exercising leadership over a group of people. It's no more difficult than that. Authority is responsibility. That we, that you are given for exercising leadership over a group of people and authority is to be used for the good of the people that you lead. It is about them, not you. It is about where we're going, what God wants us to do and be, um, more than about the leader. Now, that is not the same thing as power. Let me define power for you just in this simple way um power is just the ability to to force things that's that's what it is uh power is using a position of authority to force things on people and there are times when power is appropriate there are times when you just run out of work with and you just have to make a decision and you have to utilize that authority in a way that feels like power But I'm going to tell you something. You shouldn't have to do that very often. (laughs) Power, using power to force things on people is the opposite of leadership. Y'all understand that like the basic definition of leadership is someone who has followers. 
This is the hard thing about leadership. You can't force people to follow you. You influence people with your authority, with the responsibility given as a leadership leader, you influence people to follow you. Following a leader is voluntary unless you live in Cuba or somewhere else like that and only pertaining of the government. It's all voluntary down there in every other respect, just like it is here. So the use of power is very, very counter to the growth of real leadership. And influence that, that people want to follow, that want to go uh, a certain place. And leaders, spiritual leaders, should only rarely have to use authority in the sense of exercising power. In fact, one of the ways you can tell good leadership from bad leadership is how often the leader resorts to power. As opposed to influence. Out of authority. I'll give you a great example. Anybody that's married understands this. You know, if, if you got a husband where he is screaming at his wife all the time, you just remember, I'm the head of this house. You are to follow me. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. We all know that she's not following him. We all know that resorting to power is not causing a desire in the heart of that wife to want to follow that husband. This only shows that he is not a good leader in his own. Paul, far from that, in Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, lay down your lives for your wives just as Christ laid down his life for the church. That's just the opposite of, hey, I'm the boss here. You better, you know, jump to it. Leaders use their authority to get under people and lift them up. You see that? It's not to command from some high, you know, thin air, nebulous kind of place from on high. You're not the great Oz. You know, you, 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 you go under I, i'm willing to serve and and lift you up this is why i'm calling it the the over and under of leadership you know that word for leaders are over you in the lord in the original language this this is a word that meant the responsibility of the leader to stand over, yes, to have authority, to stand over the congregation uh, in authority, but that same word can also mean, you ready for this? Care for. This is wonderful. Because what it's saying is this, you know, we ask you to respect your leaders who labor hard among you who are standing over you who have leadership over you that is shown by the way they care for you i feel a lot better about that kind of leadership what about you i sure do jesus leadership isn't just servant leadership it is also profoundly Caring leadership. We don't call Jesus the good dictator. What do we call him? The good shepherd. Because 
the, the good shepherd cares for his sheep. Make no mistake about it. All authority in heaven and earth, all authority has been given to him. There is no question who has the authority. But how do we use that authority? We use that authority as a shepherd. You see that connection? There's a tenderness. There's a care for. Uh, he is the good shepherd. He cares and he uses that authority for the good of the sheep. And Jesus, as opposed to men, perfectly uses his power in many ways for the advancement of the kingdom and the demolition of the kingdom of darkness. We can trust Jesus in his use of power every single time. And he does. So leadership is authority taking responsibility to lead while caring for the people you lead. So, all right, what is it? Leadership's not a title, but serving. You got that? Leadership is not about power, but by authority that cares for people. Lastly, leadership is a blessing that leads to peace. We talked about what it's not. Here's what it is. It is to be a blessing that leads to peace. Verse 12. Go back with me to our text, please. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. You see that? Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Paul says that we are to respond to good and biblical leadership. To what extent? You ready for this? We are to even allow people to speak into our lives. That's hard. That's hard for everybody. That's hard for me. But, but th- there is a response to leadership that, that serves and leadership that cares to, to allow this. The word is admonish. Admonishing is the idea of correcting somebody. Now we're really afoul of the culture. Who are you to talk to me? It literally means to put in the mind, to kind of straighten the thoughts, to put in the mind, or, or to warn. Not a popular idea. Um, and, and I will tell you this. Not only is being some, somebody putting something into the mind and, and warning something that folks don't relish. Could I just say that on the leadership side of this... You don't wake up in the morning saying, who can I admonish today? Because you know how incredibly emotionally risky that is. And see, the question for the, on the leader side is, am I going to love you enough to risk it? What a hard thing to be called to. What an incredible thing to be trusted with. What a relationally risky thing to have to do. What this text is saying is that admonishing people is one of the ways that leaders care for the flock. 
the sheep. There are times in our lives, all of us, all of us, I'm not thinking of anything, anybody in particular here, okay, I promise you, all of us need correcting. All of us. We wander off the straight path, don't we? We just do. There are times when we have idols in our lives that have multiplied or the power of our idols have multiplied. And we are, at that moment, in spiritual and emotional and sometimes even physical danger. You can write it down. Yes, I said danger. And this kind of biblical leadership acts like guardrails in our lives to keep us from driving over the edge and falling to our great personal harm, to keep us from harming others by what we are becoming, to keep us from harming the church and the honor of Christ. We need, all of us, myself included, Every pastor here, every elder, every deacon, every Sunday school teacher, every ministry leader, everybody that serves in the nursery. (laughs) We need serving, caring, humble, biblical leadership that understands that there's nothing unusual about a person that needs help and does not approach them out of shame, but approaches them out of The humility of one sinner speaking to another, risking it because of love and because of this trust. All of us need that leadership. Proverbs 27, 6 famously says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I want you to hear this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Not everybody's telling you what you want to hear cares about you. And a person who loves you and will tell you what you need actually does love you. Even though it is very hard to hear sometimes. And by the way, if you are administering this kind of thing in the life of somebody you love... Please understand, they might not take it just well all at once. Be patient. Let the impact of the grenade that just went off in their life kind of settle a little bit. Let them mull over this a little bit. Let them think about it. And you know what? That might feel a little bit different in the morning. And it might be more appreciated in the morning than it was at the moment of impact. Which one more little advice to, to in, in this thing is try not to let impact be needlessly jagged. Try not to add things to what you're saying. Don't bring the list. Just lovingly, just speak the truth in love. And, and, you know, people know whether you love them or not. Let me give you a great example of this that will help us understand this passage. What do you think about a parent who sees their child about to go right through one of the guardrails on the road of life and hurtle down to personal 
harm. I don't know how to describe it. How do you see a parent who actually sees that coming and does not admonish their own child? Does not admonish. Does not bring warning. Does not bring correction in love. You can make the case that that parent who is afraid of admonishing does not show love for that child. Or proper leadership. That being a parent is a place of authority, y'all. I know that we've got it all mixed up now and, the, and, and, and somehow the kids are, so, so we're all equal. We're not. No. Parents have authority to exercise leadership humbly, lovingly, biblically, just what I'm talking about in the family structure. And it is needed. It is needed. So we can make the case that they're, they're not showing love for the child or proper leadership. You could make the case that that parent doesn't care. But that's probably not true. Or you could make the case that that parent is afraid of that child's reaction and is held in check by the fear of having to deal with that child hearing something the child doesn't like. To not have that courage and to not bring that loving admonition, sure enough, every time we know this, equals loving the parents, loving themselves more than loving the child. You just write it down. That's what it is. It's not leadership. Okay. Parents... Get this. I'm talking about what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians. Anybody who's been in a family gets this. Because this kind of leadership is a blessing. Um, Paul says that we are to highly esteem leaders who serve, who lead, who care. And we are to go further than esteeming them. Do you see the passage? Go further, he says, hold them in highest regard in love because of their work. We are to go further. We are to love those who love us enough to lead us. Folks, leadership in the church is family leadership. We are a family. We're not a multinational corporation. We're not equal to some county seat of spirituality. We are brothers and sisters. And God himself is our father. This is family leadership. And and I will tell you, those leaders that you have, in this church, and we have very, very wonderful leaders. But you know what? That We don't get it right all the time. And if the standard is perfection, you're just going to get disillusioned. Because your leaders, called by God, placed by God to exercise authority with serving and caring, they are sinners too. We don't get it right every time. And God will hold... Those leaders to account. You understand that? You don't need to worry about that. God will hold those leaders to account. 
And those leaders can also be humble. And frankly, I think this is a wonderful thing about Highlands. That leaders from the top to bottom are, are very humble in the sense that they, they are very quick to say, we are needy too. We're sinners too. We need God's grace like you. We need the word of God like you. A father does not have to be perfect to love his children and lead his children well. Correct? Let me say that again. A father in a family does not have to be perfect to love his children well and to lead his children well. That's what this is. This is family. And you've got imperfect leaders who love the Lord, who are called Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Listen to this. And keep they keep watch over you as men who must give account to God. So obey them, Paul says, so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. This is, this is fascinating. Are you all just fascinated about sentences? So obey them so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Meaning, if, if you just, you know, uh, resist all the time, it's not good for you either, because there's just not the leadership that, that is the blessing. It can be a hard and lonely job <laughs> being a leader. But leading a family... Where Paul says, hold them in highest esteem, in love. Leading a family where they'll love you, that makes it a lot better. I'm glad I'm not the leader of a multinational corporation. I'm glad I get to be a leader in a family. My own family of origin, or my nuclear family, and this family as well. And that love that we have makes it a whole lot better. Uh, a few Last things, dear flock, respond to your leaders. Give them a word of encouragement. They need your love. They need your respect. And they need your prayers. As one scholar put it, spiritual leadership is a great responsibility and a difficult task. It is not easy to serve as a pastor, elder, deacon, or other spiritual leader. It is dangerous when a church family takes their leaders for granted and fails to pray for them, work with them, and encourage them. I think that is very true. But when there is leadership that desires to grow into this type of leadership, it is a blessing and it leads to peace. Verse 13, live in peace with one another. You know, in a world of strife, there is nothing quite like a place, a group marked by the peace that the Prince of Peace alone can bring. This peace is not defined by the absence of conflict. There is never been a church and there never will be a church that has peace, meaning no disagreement, no conflict. No, this peace is not the absence of conflict. What it is, it is what we do with our conflict. It is whether we allow leadership to facilitate 
the resolution of that conflict. That, that is the question. And you know, the world can see the difference. As well as we are blessed when Christ the servant, when Christ the shepherd, leadership is, is felt in his church. And the kingdom of God does come through biblical serving, caring leaders who lead us forward in Christ. That's how it comes. It's just us, guys, the family. Are we ready to go a place, continue to go a place spiritually with Jesus, with leadership? Let's pray. Lord, we repent of the fallible leadership of human beings. But we thank you for the calling that comes from you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit coming upon leaders to be able to lead. And Lord, we pray that you would cause leadership to be serving and caring. And we pray that you would give great response to that leadership. Lord, we pray that you would bring protection through that leadership and blessing and peace and joy. Thank you for the double steel reinforcement of what you have put in place in King Jesus, how your reign of righteousness, grace, and peace does and can happen in your church. Would you let that be this church, even as we look to you? In Jesus' name, amen.